0: Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts II, better known as RP3.
1: Zion takes over for the Pelicans, scoring the final 13 points in a victory. LSU men, well, huh? they give Matt McMahon his first signature win as they take down number nine, Arkansas, inside the P-Mac. Arkansas and Kansas playing a crazy three-overtime Liberty Bowl. And local product, Kayshawn Butte, changes course five days before the bowl game and decides to declare for the NFL draft instead of playing in the bowl game. It was a busy, busy, busy Wednesday night in the world of sports. We're going to break it all down for you here on RP3 and Company. Good morning on this humid Thursday morning, December 29th. I'm Raymond the III, better known as RP3. I'm joined by Miss Hannah Five Names. We've got a good show lined up for you today. Only two guests. They're on the back end of the show. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com will join us to talk Saints, to talk Pelicans. And we'll have the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair, will be joining us as well to help us preview the cheese it Citrus Bowl between LSU and Purdue and also get some men's basketball discussion in. So that's who we have scheduled to join us today. That's on the back end of the show, final hour of today's show. So if you want to get your phone calls in today, end the calendar year strong, come and give us a take. We'd love to hear from you. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337 706 Where to begin? So much to get to. So let's start with the Pelicans. These are the types of games that give the fan base all the feels. That gives the fans of the Pelicans, diehards and bandwagon alike, Hope that this is the type of team that they'll have for years to come. And that Zion Williamson is going to be that guy. An elite player. A guy that will take over games and lead this team to the promised land. And last night... In a sold-out Smoothie King Center, by the way. Not only was last night's game sold out, Friday night's game is also sold out. So, they're selling out games in New Orleans in December. It tells you about the enthusiasm for this year's team. It tells you that they've started to turn a corner with the fan base. And that people are legitimately excited. Now, it helps that the Saints are trash. Let's make no mistake about that. You'll have your diehard Pelican fans that'll be there night after night and are rooting hard for Willie Green's team to succeed. But then you have the other just kind of bandwagon fans, passive fans, if you will, they are like, hey, the Saints are trash. These Pelicans are pretty good. Let me go check them out. But the buzz about this team, it's there. And last night was a tour de force performance by Zion. Career high, 43 points. Even though B.I. was taking some shots beforehand during practice, during warmups, he's still not ready. And we've talked about Zion having to carry the load and being that guy. C.J. McCollum may be the general on the floor for Willie Green. Valachunas is a guy that contributes. He's a double-double guy. They have some veterans that can come off the bench and do things. But for this team to achieve its goals and be one of the best teams in the Western Conference, it's going to have to be carried night in, night out by Zion and it appears that he does in fact have that dog in him first couple of years in the league he didn't but we've talked about it before on the show that it feels like we're watching him ascend not only taking his game to that next level but also him embracing the fact that he has to be the biggest baddest man on the court And the really kind of passive, always smiling kid didn't always want to do that. We're seeing him kind of get into a man. And what he did last night is a perfect example of that. 43 points as he leads the Pelicans 119 to 118. Victory. He scored the last 13 points for the Pels down the stretch. That's a guy taking over. That's what you want to see. You want to see him step up and say, I got this. Put it on my shoulders. I'm going to lead us to the promised land. Let's go. You want to see that dog mentality. You want to see that leadership. A couple years ago, you didn't see that with him because he was still young, still trying to figure things out. And let's be honest, the Pelicans didn't necessarily force him to have to grow up. They wanted to slowly bring him along. You remember David Griffin talking about after they drafted him? Well, yeah, we're having this big block party and, you know, for him being introduced to the fan base. But you know what? He's not the face of the franchise. Really? Yeah. You you get drafted number one overall, you're the face of the franchise. But whether it was some own self-reflection or having to miss time more than he wanted to or just being a little bit older and growing up, we're seeing a difference Zion Williamson. When you step up and you say, I got this, and you score the final 13 points of the game, and you score a career-high 43 points, and he was 14 of 19 from the free-throw line. He even shot a three-pointer in this ball game. <laughs> the big fella shot it and made it, his lone three-point shot he makes. Three rebounds, five assists, even had a steal on a block. Contributing everywhere. And look, he got help. All four other starters scored in double figures. That's the other thing that you got to really like about the New Orleans Pelicans is that they've kind of built a roster where you have multiple guys that can help out. Marshall, Valachunas, chips in 12 apiece. Valachunas also gets 11 boards for yet another double-double because that's all he does. C.J. McCollum. 20 points. Trey Murphy, the third, 21 points. By the way, the two guards for the Pels stepped up in a big way as they made eight of 13 three point attempts combined. But it's Zion. McCullum brings leadership. The great thing about CJ is that he's able to calm everyone down on the court, he knows how to get Zion the ball. He knows how to get B.I. the ball. He knows how to give Valachunas the ball. He's your your floor general. Unselfish guy. You need that guy. Valachunas, double-double. Night in, night out. You can depend on that. Trey Murphy's your three-point shooter. Najee Marshall does a little bit of everything for you. Primarily as your sixth man, but he's having to be forced to play more because of the injuries to Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones. And once again, they did this last night without two of their starters. But for Zion to say, hey, not to worry. Got this. Don't have to worry about this. I got this. I'm going to roll. I'm going to put the team on my back and going to carry us to win. Now, it was against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We do understand that. And the T-Wolves are probably, let's be honest, one of the bigger disappointments this year. They're 16-19 and 19 now overall. Despite the big trades that they had in the offseason to try to change things up, adding Rudy Gobert. I mean, the Pelicans only held him to 10 points and eight rebounds last night. That's it. That's all. And, of course, their best player did not play, as we know. Carl Anthony Towns out with an injury. But at this point in the season, a win is a win. That's what it's all about. A win is a win. And the Pelicans got the win. 22-12 22-12 and 12 now overall on the season. And once again, Western Conference wide open. But the fact that the Pels are sitting back in the number one spot as we close out the month of December is a very, very promising start to the season. The season is long. Once again, we don't play the NBA Finals until June. <laughs> so, yeah. We got a lot of basketball still to go, right? We're only about a third of the way through the regular season. But they're tied with Denver at 22-12 and 12 overall. Memphis is right behind them. Clippers. I think you're going to start seeing some separation here. But the goal before the start of the season was for the Pelicans to be a top four seed. That was a realistic goal for this team with everyone back. And they haven't had Brandon Ingram for majority of the season and Herb Jones has missed way much, uh, way more time than anticipated. And yet here they are atop the Western Conference standings on December 29th. And a big reason for that, Zion Williamson is taking his game to that next level. You're seeing it Live in person. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we're going to stay on the hardwood. Just travel up a little ways to Baton Rouge. LSU wasn't supposed to have a chance last night against the number nine ranked team in the country. Yet, signature win for first year head coach Matt McMahon as the Tigers take down the top 10 ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. We'll talk about that game coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
0: RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language.
1: You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukuraru? And I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola? More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even
0: practiced (laughs) last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
2: Uh, a couple things stand out. Number one, just really proud of our players. I thought they played with great toughness, uh, great effort, and sustained it for 40 minutes. Uh, they deserve all the credit for just gutting out a tough, you know, nasty, gritty win here. And then the second thing, just walking out of the tunnel and seeing the crowd and the atmosphere, uh, the energy in the building on December 28th uh, with the top 10 team in the country on your court. Uh, that was awesome. That was awesome. So, really thankful to all the the great Tiger fans who came out tonight and really proud of our players uh, for beating an outstanding basketball team.
1: LSU first-year men's basketball coach Matt McMahon afterwards as LSU takes down number nine-ranked Arkansas. They're inside the PMAC. A intense – Defensive performance in the first half by LSU. Arkansas can put up points, and they put up points in a hurry. Yet, McMahon's team held the Razorbacks to their lowest point total of the season. This was a 24-19 to 19 game at half. They held Arkansas to a mere 19 points at the break. The crowd was absolutely into the game. You could hear it if you listen to the game on the radio, on the game last night. Obviously, great energy inside the PMAC. People are excited about this team. They're excited about the direction of this team, and they wanted to show their support. Not many thought that they could take down the number nine ranked team in the country. Because LSU schedule, they didn't play anybody. Let's be real. They didn't play anybody. This gives, though, Matt McMahon his first signature win as the head coach of the LSU Tigers. Now, what I found even more impressive than the first half defensive performance was the fact that they gave up the lead in the second half. Arkansas got hot started lighting them up took a lead and yet LSU fought back that's one of the toughest things to do is when you're playing an opponent that is better than you and you have them on the ropes and they start counter punching back we see it so many times in sports that after they start counter punching you got nothing left the underdog then gets obliterated the sign of a team that is growing, that is maturing, is one that can take that counterpunch and then come right back. And that's what they did. Now, it helped that they were in Baton Rouge, right? It helped that they were at the PMAC. That makes a huge difference in this. Let's make no bones about it. But to get a 60-57 to 57 win over a team as good as Arkansas to start SEC play is phenomenal. It's just an absolute phenomenal performance by the LSU Tigers, and Matt McMahon talked about the goal, the mindset that he has for this team is not overall what their record can be, right? And not even worrying about the about facing opponent that is ranked. It's simply going one and zero every time they take the court?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure, Glenn. We always just kind of go one game at a time, as boring and cliche as it is. The goal is to go one and oh, and for us, we're such a work in progress. We're just trying to get better every day in practice, every game, um, but obviously the goal is to win while doing it. So uh, I hope it's something we can continue to build on. There are a lot of things that went into winning tonight. I thought our defensive effort Our ability to defend the paint was was much improved. I was really concerned coming in. Arkansas is probably the best team in America at forcing turnovers and converting those turnovers into points in transition. Uh, We had a couple brutal turnovers there late, but for the game, only 10 turnovers, and they only scored four points off of those turnovers. I believe they were averaging around 25 uh, a game off turnovers coming in. So I thought that was really key.
1: And they had multiple guys step up. We've talked about how they have a roster built. It's a mid-major roster. They have a coach that comes from a mid-major program. He brought a couple players with him. They brought in other guys through recruiting and through the transfer portal. And Look, they really have a mid-major roster. So when a team with the talent on its roster that LSU has, takes down a team that's on paper more talented, that's coaching. That's always coaching, always has been, always will be. Matt McMahon is able to get the most out of his guys because of the coaching and the preparation and everything that's going on since he took over the program. And last night, he had two guys step up in a big way. Trey Hannibal had 12 points, made some big key shots, Derek Found also contributed 11 in the pivotal second half alone. And he actually ended up recording a double-double with 14 points and 10 rebounds. Hannibal, meanwhile, who had the 12 points in the second half, he came off the bench and scored a season-high 19 points. So you get contributions from multiple guys. And Hannibal talked about how they were, and particularly offensively, the Tigers, a little bit more locked in during that pivotal second half.
2: Uh, Really, you know, it was just
3: focusing and being locked in, really, on the main thing. And, you know, uh, it's a part of the game. Everything is going to be perfect. But at the end of the day, uh, being able to fix that and adjust, you know, come out of the second half and go on the runs that we did and get the stops we got, I mean, it was key. Thank you, Ken. I mean, it was key. So, you know, our guys just were more locked in in the second half than the first. So, that's really that's really what happened. So,
1: They're 12-1 and now. Once again, their non-conference schedule wasn't filled with a bunch of world beaters. We've talked about that. But now they just took down the number nine ranked team in the country. So that's definitely going to give you a huge confidence boost. And Derek talked about how these type of games and being able to win them and gut them out like they did is going to do just that.
4: I mean, we already, we was already like, Talking to each other and uh, giving each other confidence before the game, like letting the uh, the new people to come around, the freshmen or the people that come from lower, you know, level like people like Cole, which just letting them know like, like I said in the last interview, this the game won't be different as far as uh like going like effort wise from other teams. It's gonna be a gritty game, just about every game, and I was letting them know that there's nothing to panic about. Just come out here and do what Coach say, and that's what happened.
1: Just come out there and do what coach says. This win does not mean that LSU is going to be contender in the SEC. This win does not mean that this is going to be a team that's going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. It's a signature win, but it is a good sign that LSU hired the right guy. Mid-major guy, discipline. He doesn't come to LSU with any colorful interactions off the court that we know of. He's going to do things the right way, and his guys buy into him. They had a lot of guys leave the program, right, because they parted ways with Will Wade and they brought in a new guy. Okay? But these guys that he currently has on his roster are bought in. Doesn't mean that this is going to be a 20 win team. Doesn't mean that this is even going to be an NCAA tournament team. It's way too early to say any of those things, to make those bold statements. But what this game does show us is that this team is bought in to what their coach wants them to do. And that is the huge first big hurdle for any first year coach. If you get your kids to buy into what you're doing, Good things will happen, and they happened last night inside the PMAC. Hey, I know many of you, for Christmas, got yourself an Amazon Alexa or Google Home. The big guy in the red suit brought it for you, or maybe your wife or kids bought you one. But did you know you can now use that smart speaker, that Amazon Alexa or that Google Home, to listen to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Once again, just ask it to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll unveil our poll question of the day. And we'll also talk about the news coming out surrounding the LSU football team. Caught some folks by surprise. Former Westgate High star, Kayshawn Butte, changes his mind five days before the bowl game and decides to declare for the draft. We'll talk about that next, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. of work the caliber of work that my friends over in Lafayette Marble and Granite do you've heard me talk about it they took care of our master bathroom innovation a few years ago we struggled to find the right marble not only did we find the marble that my wife wanted they were able to give her the cut she wanted they installed it in a timely fashion they were professional and the customer service was outstanding look LMG offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble here in Acadiana. And they absolutely appreciate the opportunity to come and earn your business. They provide more than show-stopping marble countertops, though, for your kitchens and your bathrooms. They also now have an extensive selection of custom shower builds with grout-free showers. So make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the tremendous products that they offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. So visit LMGelite.com or stop by their renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City, Ford, in the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette, Marble & Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. On a night where... Zion Williamson takes over for the New Orleans Pelicans, scores the final 13 points, and leads them to a victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the same night where the LSU men's basketball team gets the first signature win for Matt McMahon as they take down number nine, Arkansas. The story that a lot of folks were wanting to talk about and did talk about was Kayshawn Butte, The former Westgate high star, whose career at LSU has been filled with some oddities, had one final one in the bag. It all started early in the day where we find out, this happened around 2 o'clock, right around 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, we find out via a statement from the LSU football team on social media and sent out via email that Kayshawn would not be available for the Citrus Bowl, which was a random and weird thing to have sent out five days before the cheese it Citrus Bowl down in Orlando versus Purdue. Then it gets revealed immediately within the first five to ten minutes after that news breaks, that Kayshawn is enrolled at the school for the spring semester. So this leads to speculation like crazy of why. Well, what's going on with Kayshawn? Why isn't he taking part in the bowl game? He's enrolled in school. He's already made the decision on social media a few weeks prior that he was committed to coming back for his senior season. That he's not going into the NFL draft. That he's coming back. He's going to try to help this team win a championship. Why isn't he being able to play? Does he have some type of health issue? Does he possibly have to be forced to be in COVID protocols? Is there grades issues? Wild speculation. All on the social media platforms for hours yesterday. And then... 23 days after saying he would return to LSU for his senior season, star wide receiver Kayshawn Butte announces that he is, in fact, declaring for the draft a sudden reversal that ends his collegiate career. Five hours after LSU made the release that Butte would not be playing in the Cheese at Citrus Bowl against Purdue, where they made sure to specify that he was, in fact, enrolled in the spring semester, but did not say why he wasn't playing in the game. And the only thing Boutte wrote, by the way, was, quote, after careful thoughts and consideration, I'll be declaring for the 2023 NFL draft. No explanation here on why he was ruled out of the bowl game. None. Was this a team issue? Was this a player discipline issue? Was this for grades? Was this for health reasons? Because it sure does feel like Kayshawn makes the decision to declare for the draft after being told that he's not going to be in the bowl game. Right? Right? Because we don't get an explanation from LSU on why Kayshawn was going to play in the bowl game. Now, did Kayshawn inform them that he, in fact, was going to be declaring for the NFL draft? That he was changing his mind? And that he was going to go into the draft after the bowl game? And did they say, well, no, well, you can go and go now? Or did he make the decision to go ahead and go now? And LSU just wanted to take the high road and say, you know what? Kayshawn's not available for the thing, but he is enrolled. And just leave it vague. We have no idea because we don't know. Wild speculation. But it is a turn of events, isn't it? December 5th said he was coming back for another season, but now it's changed his mind. Sources say he had not been around the team since the SEC championship game and did not travel with number 17 LSU to Orlando this week, multiple sources told The Advocate. So obviously, Kayshawn made that decision a little while ago. Now, after the championship game, you come home, you spend time with family and friends and everything like that. But he hadn't been around the team, and he didn't travel with them to the bowl game? That's interesting. Brian Kelly in a statement said, quote, we support Kayshawn in his decision. He went through a thoughtful process and ultimately decided this was his his best interest. We appreciate all he did during his time at LSU and wish him well. That's a nice take in the high road type of statement. Brian Kelly understands the era that we live in where guys are opting out of bowl games. Guys are opting out of seasons. Sometimes guys opt out of seasons during the season. The timing of it is not great. He's allowed to change his mind. Let let me be clear here. Kayshawn Boutte is allowed to change his mind. He was allowed to change his mind when he decided that he wanted to see where he could go elsewhere and go into the transfer portal, but decided to stay back. Big supporter of that was Gordon McKernan, giving him the NIL deal to make that happen. It was his decision to return. It was his decision to decide to declare for the draft. He's allowed to make a decision. This is a business decision. Let's not lose sight of that. Even though personally, I don't like these type of things. It's not how I conduct myself. It's not how I'd like the players on my team to conduct themselves. I don't like it. There's nothing about opting out on your teammates that I'm ever going to like. I can understand it because it's a business decision. Kajan Boutte is making a business decision that's going to be the best decision for himself and for his family and the opportunity to start preparing for the NFL draft and making sure to run that sub 4240 time, which he has the potential to do, which is going to make all the scouts And coaches at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis just go nuts. I get it. It's a business decision to set yourself up and set your family up for generational wealth. A kid from New Iberia having the opportunity to do that, I get it, but I don't like it. I understand it, but I don't like it. You don't leave your teammates hanging. You just don't. That's just me. I understand why you're making the business decision. I understood it when Jamar Chase opted out of the season a couple years ago. I even understand why Terrence Marshall Jr. did it the week before the Alabama game. I don't like it, though. I can understand it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Right? It has to be done in a better fashion. Remember, Butte great as a freshman. The team was terrible, but he was great. Really developed a rapport with Max Johnson. Rewrote the SEC and LSU record books in that game against Ole Miss. Played really well in 2021 before the season-ending ankle injury wiped out the rest of the season. And then came the offseason, the weird offseason, where was he going to transfer to Alabama? Where's he going to go? Is he going to stick around? Then he had all the stuff early in the season where he really wasn't on the same page, and him and Jane Daniels never really got on the same page, did they? Daniels and Malik neighbors had more of a rapport, chemistry, than Daniels did with Boutte. Just never was there. And the numbers weren't great. Only two touchdowns. 538 yards receiving this year. But the guy has immense talent. He's big, strong, physical, immensely fast. Former track guy in high school. He's going to get drafted, and if he runs a 4 at the combine or at his pro day, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. That's what he is. That's what he is. Poll question of the day. What do you make of K. Sean declaring for NFL draft? Is it a business decision? Did, it, did he let his teammates down? The timing sucks. Are all of the above? Right now, 50% of you say all of the above. 33% say it's a business decision. 11% feel like he let his teammates down. And 6% of you just say, hey, you know what? The timing really sucks five days before the bowl game. And I say all of the above as well. Once again, I understand it's a business decision. I get it. But the timing of it sucks. It just does. Hey, man, you go to war with your brothers on that team. I understand, but I don't have to like it. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Chad to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend?
5: Oh, man, just another rainy day. Uh, and 70 degrees in Louisiana when it was 20 degrees about four days ago. <laughs> All good. Yeah. 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 Hey, man, real quick about the basketball team. A lot of these ba- – you got to forget, too. can't forget it as well. A lot of those guys in the basketball team weren't recruited by big D1 schools. So they're going to have a chip on their shoulder uh, every game they come out. Uh, and let it know. Let it be known that they weren't recruited uh, by Arkansas or by these big schools. Yeah. Uh, they went, you know, to a, a mid-major or not, and and probably and in, in develop. Uh, and here we are. And they were sitting with a good coach. Going to the Butte thing. Everybody's going to speculate. I'm speculating. I think it's 90% Daniels has came back. That's why he is leaving. Uh, Daniels is supposed to be one and done at LSU. Uh, he made a late decision to come back. And um, like, you did, like you said before, him and uh, Daniels, Boutte and Daniels weren't all really on the same page. And Kelly got some shiny, shiny, shiny new toys coming in. Three brand-new tight ends that can all catch and three five-star receivers that are coming in. And I think behind Kelly, Kelly would obviously would never admit this, but I'm kind of I, I, I would believe that Kelly's kind of he, he tired of maybe Tati uh Boutte. It's time to go, let him go, and um, you know, let Vagons but, like uh, but be bygones. But um, yeah, man, that's just my thought. I think it's 90% Daniels though, and 10% uh, these shiny new toys. Uh, coming in, but, uh, enjoy your, your, uh, your rainy day today. Uh, keep well, man. Thank you.
1: Happy new year, Chad. Appreciate the phone call, brother. And look, and when I say business decision, don't forget. Kayshawn became a father in September. Now he's got the responsibility of not only taking care of his family, but taking care of a baby. Okay, once again, I understand it. I understand making business decisions. I'm never going to knock a guy for going out there and hustling and trying to make his financial situation better because we all do it in our own personal lives. But it doesn't mean that, I, that the timing doesn't suck. It doesn't mean that you're not kind of letting your teammates down. Right? Both things can be true. We live in such a black-and-white world where we want to make a statement. This is the facts and this is the truth. No, all of that can be true. The fact that he's making a business decision that's in the best interest of him and his family, true. Letting his teammates down and having terrible timing, also true. All those things can be true at the same time. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Once again, what do you make of Keyshawn Butte declaring for the NFL draft? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, man. Time is running out for you to score your Hangout Fest VIP passes. Listen up. The biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to the 21st. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and more will be taking the stage. It is a beach party like none other. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has VIP passes to Hangout Fest, and you want them. This is how you can win them. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP passes, you know what that gets you? Access to exclusive viewing areas. You don't have to be surrounded by all the sweaty, dirty people in the general admission area. No, 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 no. You're also going to have stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. You're going to be partying like a rock star, but you can only win it, these VIP passes, by becoming a a member of our rewards club at 1037game.com or 1041thegame.com, and time is running out to win these VIP passes. Tomorrow's the last day to be able to score them, so go visit 1037game.com or 1041thegame.com. Become a member of our rewards club so you'll have the opportunity to score VIP passes for Hangout Fest. Hey, you never do know. You may you may see Hannah Five names there. She loves going to the Florida Panhandle, Gulf Shores in Alabama. It's her jam. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here. RP3 and company on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and those World Series champion Houston Astros.
2: Hey, I'm Andy. And every morning I wake up thinking about shaving. (laughs)
0: Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the, from the Delta, Delta Media, Media Studios, Studios in Upper Lafayette, Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names and, and your big, big bald, beautiful, beautiful host, Raymond Parts third better known as RP3.
1: Zion Williamson drops a career-high 43 points as he scores the final 13 points of the ballgame for the Pelicans as they hold off the Minnesota Timberwolves inside a sold-out Smoothie King Center last night. With the victory, their fourth straight, the Pels reclaim the top spot in the Western Conference standings. Zion, he is ascending. Whether or not he can stay healthy, That's a different story. Whether or not he can play for 10 years in the NBA, that's a different story. But right now, what we're seeing from the big fella is this. He's growing into his role as a team leader. He's growing into his role as the alpha dog on this team. The the kind of passive slightly chubby kid that came into the league is not who we're seeing right now. He's growing up. He's accepting his role as the top dog on the team. And he's putting the team on his back. And we saw it again last night. When you're down two starters without Herb and B.I. in the game yet again, and you're like, okay, I'm going to drop a career high and score the final 13 points of the night. You're becoming that dog on the team. And for the Pelicans to truly ascend into what they want to be, to truly become a contender year in and year out, that's the role Zion has to not only embrace, but consistently, consistently perform at. If he does that, This team is going to be dangerous, going to be dangerous. And the fact that as we near New Year's that this team is atop the standings is a promising start to the season. Once again, NBA season's long, very long. Once again, we don't play the NBA Finals until June. It's excessively long. But compared to how the Pelicans usually start seasons, this is something to get excited about. And you're also seeing Zion Williamson mature and grow into a man before our eyes. But that wasn't the only hardwood highlights from last night. The LSU men's basketball team with Matt McMahon, first-year head coach, got that signature win. After playing a non-conference schedule that wasn't exactly filled with a bunch of world beaters, They hold number 9 Arkansas to its lowest first half total of the season. And then after giving that lead as Arkansas got hot in the second half there inside the PMAC, they rallied and gutted out a win against the number 9 ranked team in the country. Does this mean that the LSU men's basketball team is going to be a NCAA Sweet 16 team? Nope. Does this mean that they're going to make a deep run at the SEC tournament in Nashville? Nope. Does this mean that they're going to be a 20-win team? Nope. But it does show you that this team, a roster that may not be as talented as others in the SEC, like in Arkansas, like a Kentucky, like an Alabama, like an Auburn, this roster, though, is disciplined. And this roster has bought in <coughs> to what their coach wants of them, expects of them. And that's a great sign, not only for this season, but for seasons to come with Matt McMahon at the helm of the Tigers program. But that was the good news coming out of Baton Rouge yesterday. We also had the bad news. Kayshawn Butte, former Westgate High Star. And a weird thing that happened throughout the day. We find out shortly before 2 o'clock that he would not be playing in the Citrus Bowl. LSU sends out a very brief announcement. Says that Kayshawn is enrolled in school in the spring, but he's not going to be playing in the bowl game. Did not give a reason why. Speculation runs rampant. What's going on with him? Does he have a grades issue? Is he sick? Did he get COVID? Is he declaring for the draft? And this goes on for hours upon hours until Kayshawn sends out a brief social media statement himself saying that he's declared for the draft. He's changed his mind. After three weeks prior, saying that he was coming back for his senior season, he's changed his mind. What happened? Did Jane Daniels deciding to come back late change his mind? Because once again, Daniels and Butte were never on the same page. They just weren't. When you watch this team play, they had a couple good games. Maybe the one against Florida really kind of stands out. But from the jump in the Florida State game in the opener inside the Superdome throughout majority of the season, Kayshawn and Jaden were never really on the same page. Jaden developed more of a rapport and chemistry with Malik Neighbors and Taylor, the tight end, than he did with Butte. Did that play a role in this? Or did Kayshawn go, you know what? This team's got other guys coming in. Yeah, Jane and I could be on, you know, develop some chemistry this offseason. I could have a really good year. Or you know what? There's a lot of people that are projecting me to be a first-round draft pick right now. If he has a good pro day, which he more than likely will. Guy's a former track star. He can catch the football. If he goes to the combine or has his pro day at LSU and Kayshawn runs a 4 forty. That's a first-round draft pick all day long. NFL teams don't care that you opt out of your bowl game. NFL teams don't care that Gordon McKernan had to step in and give you NIL money to keep you from going to Alabama in the offseason. They don't care about any of that. Can you play football? Yes. Are you fast? Yes. Okie dokie. Come on down. And don't forget, Kayshawn became a father in September. So not only does he have to worry about supporting himself and, say, his folks, siblings, cousins, and things of that nature. Because life can be hard down in New Iberia. He now has a child that he's responsible for. It's just something to think about. That does lead us to our poll question of the day. What do you make of Keyshawn Butte declaring for the NFL draft Do you believe it's a business decision? Do you believe he let his teammates down? Do you believe the timing of it sucks? Or do you believe all of the above? Go vote and leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. I've already told you mine. I understand the business decision part of it. I even respect the business decision part of it. And good luck to Kayshawn Ford. But it doesn't mean that the timing of it doesn't stink, right? Five days before the bowl game with your teammates? It doesn't mean that that's not part of it. And it doesn't mean that you're not letting your brothers down that was on the team. Both things can be true. Let's head out to the hotline. Reynolds has been patiently waiting. Reynolds, thank you for waiting, brother. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your family, my friend. What's on your mind?
3: Well, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me about Keyshawn Boutte. Uh Let's face it. I mean, the NCAA – It's basically the NC, uh, or the uh, NCFL, National Collegiate Football League. It's a business. It's a business. And it has been like that for the past 20 years. So, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm surprising that they're not signing big contracts like the NFL. But, you know, it is what it is. They'll get more players. More players will leave. It's going to be a revolving door from here on out but this is my my question as far as the saints we know they're a dumpster fire
1: this is true Uh, they
3: have a they have a lot of talent i thought they'd be a lot better than what they were bottom line they don't have a quarterback uh the coach is iffy Uh, i don't understand his play calling he had a blueprint he didn't follow it he just didn't do what he should have done is there a quarterback out there for the saints I don't think there is. I don't think there's one coming out of the NFL. I don't think there's none in free agency. Um, If they are, they're washed up. Mayfield, Carr, I mean, they're washed up. I mean, where do we go from here?
1: Ooh, that's a good question, Ronald. And I'll try to take a stab at it, brother. I appreciate the phone call. Happy New Year. Hope you and your family are safe, bud. You too. Y'all have a blessed New Year. You know... As for the Saints, where do they go from here? Look, you're going to have possibilities of looking at quarterbacks that are going to be out there and and look, not a lot of them are great. <laughs> so, I'm just I'm just being honest. The 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 options are not optimal. But Jimmy G is going to be a free agent. Derek Carr is likely going to get cut. That's a weird situation now with the Raiders where McDaniels, I don't think, ever really believed in him. And Devontae Adams talked to the uh, media yesterday and said he wouldn't be a Raider if it wasn't for Derek, his childhood and best friend from their teenage years that they wanted to reunite in Las Vegas. So that'll be an issue that the Raiders will have to figure out there. I think Carr can be repaired. It lo- it feels like to me Josh McDaniels broke Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a mid-level quarterback. I think you can win a lot of games with him. I think Derek Carr, if you fix him, is better than Andy Dalton. So that would be an upgrade. I think Jimmy G is an upgrade, but not a, a ton, right? There's not going to be anyone out there, whether it's Baker whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's uh, Geno Smith's going to be a free agent. You think Seattle's going to re-sign him. But you got a lot of guys that are, let's be honest, middle-tier quarterbacks or journeymen. And that's what's going to be out there for you. Now, could the Saints draft a guy in the second round? Because they do have their second-round draft pick. No matter what happens with Sean Payton, is he going to coach again? Are they going to be able to get a first-round draft pick for him? Are they going to get a second-round draft pick for him? Whatever it might be, you still got your second. Quarterback class is supposed to be pretty deep. You could get a guy in the second round, maybe develop him. But the question is, do you believe that Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael can develop a quarterback? Do you have any confidence that – the current staff brain trust of the Saints can get themselves a young quarterback in the draft and develop them. I've heard a lot of people talk about Hendon Hooker. I like Hendon Hooker a lot. I would not wish him with this Saints coaching staff, and I, I don't know why you would do that to him. He's coming off an ACL injury. I also have questions about Hooker's ability to be able to go through all the reads that you need to at the NFL level. Didn't have to do that much in Tennessee. NFL, whole different beast. That's usually the thing that trips up a lot of these quarterbacks is that their progressions through their reads at the next level and being able to throw into a tight window. It's not college where you get one-on-one coverage all the time and guys are open by three yards. It's not how it works. Once again, I like Hooker. Thought he should have been a Heisman finalist. It sucks that he got injured. I got nothing personally against the young man, but he's going to be coming off an ACL injury. And do you trust a guy that may have some limitations with his game and coming off an injury, do you trust Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael to develop that guy? Uh, No. So I don't know where the Saints go. Quarterback play has been a huge issue for this team. I absolutely agree with you, Ronald. Defensive line has been worse. We don't talk enough about it, but the performance of the defensive line this year which has always been a strength of the team, is alarming. Is alarming. Cam Jordan is on the back end of his career. David Onyemata has given them nothing. Peyton Turner can't get on the field, and when he does, he gives them nothing. They have a defensive line issue. They got a couple good young linebackers in Kay Nellis and Pete Werner. I love what I've seen from Elante Taylor. He's going to be a good one for this team. Paulson Adebo's got potential as well. So the back end of the defense, not necessarily all that worried about. But the defensive line, how do you fix that? Cam Jordan's getting older. Who are you going to bring in to fix that? Defensive line was a huge liability this year for the Saints. They can't stop the run anymore like they used to. I just, we can focus on him quarterback and, What they can do, and that's a big question mark for this team. Who's going to be the quarterback? Are they going to draft one? What are they going to do? But they got to fix that defensive line, too, because it was bubble. Got to take a timeout. Good phone call. Keep them coming if you want to. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Just know that you have to be nice to Miss Hannah Five Names. She controls it. You want to get on the show? You got to be nice to her. If you get sideways with her, you know what's going to happen? Click. She's ruthless that way. Sometimes she hangs up on me. Sometimes she turns off my microphone. Happens all the time. She's the boss. I'm just here for the ride. Taking a timeout. When we return, more good stuff. Like crazy bowl games last night. Three overtimes in the Liberty Bowl. A doink to win it in another bowl game. And Ole Miss getting absolutely trucked by Texas Tech. We'll talk about it all next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline.
5: You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, Six, seven, I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there where you're calling
0: from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Didn't
1: get what you wanted from Santa? Hey, man, not to worry. We have the gifts you really want in the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou as well. Go a little bit more cash. Go a little bit more fine dining. It does not matter. Both of those establishments are great. You can have a great time. Go with the fellas. Take your lady. It does not matter. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. That way you can get the great gifts that you wanted but didn't get this holiday season. Bowl season. Man. Man. I'm going to sound like a traditionalist, which I typically do on this show. I understand that. I love bowl season. I love the bowls. I, I do. And I keep getting told, well, they don't matter, RP3. Who cares? You know what? It cares for these kids. They like playing in them. The ones that do. Not all of them. Some of them would rather not play and prepare for the draft. I get that. But if you watched any of these bowl games year after year, it matters to the kids. Going to the Independence Bowl last week and seeing how upset and dejected the Cajuns were for losing that game, it mattered. It did. And it mattered for the teams that played in their bowl games yesterday. And we had some exciting ones, some interesting ones. The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. That's a mouthful. Used to be the Poinsettia Bowl at one time, by the way, that sponsor. Oregon, North Carolina. The Ducks come back and score 14 points in the fourth quarter to win this ballgame, 28-27, and they win it with a doink. The extra point doinked off the crossbar. It went in. And that was the difference in this ball game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. May, the quarterback for North Carolina, who many feel is going to be a first-round draft pick next year, along with USC's Caleb Williams. He throws three touchdowns in this ballgame. Bo Nix. Yeah, Bo Nix. How did Bo Nix go from being a guy that we bagged on and was kind of trash at Auburn To a guy that legitimately looks like a quarterback now. It's crazy what coaching does. (laughs) And he's getting the coaching in Oregon. He had a pretty good night as well. 23-30 for 205, two touchdowns. Bo Nix is actually pretty good. Pretty good? I don't know. How'd that happen? But it has. He's coming back for another year as well. Going to have some good quarterbacks next season in college football. Caleb Williams at USC, Bo Nix at Oregon, May at North Carolina. You're Going to have some good ones. But you have the doink. That was the deciding factor in the Holiday Bowl between Oregon and North Carolina. Duke goes out there and crushes the face of UCF in the Military Bowl. I know it's confusing. They don't have a military team, Service Academy, in the bowl game. But I digress. 30-13, it wasn't even as close as that score indicates. It was. The Duke quarterback scored two touchdowns on the ground as the Blue Devils finished the season with nine wins. Texas Tech and Ole Miss faced off in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Ole Miss wide receiver had that great catch, which was one-handed. He had a defender draped over him, but really, this was Texas Tech, man. They scored on an onside kick attempt, ran it all the way back, and they just crushed Ole Miss. Drug them 42 to 25. I wonder about Ole Miss because they had such a good start to the season. And they lose to LSU and they never really got back on track. They ended up eight and five, but a lot of those wins came against teams that weren't very good. And they ended the season poorly. They lost the Egg Bowl. And then they get absolutely skull-drugged by, uh, let's be honest, an average Texas Tech team. It's not been a good bowl season for the SEC, by the way. The lone win has been a two-point victory over Arkansas, over Kansas, rather, and that occurred yesterday. And that was the crazy bowl game of the day. Razorbacks, who had a disappointing season, up and down. They finish with a win to get to seven wins as they take down Kansas 55-53 in a game that needed three overtimes. (laughs) Three. A bananas game between two six-win teams there in the Liberty Bowl. One of the better kind of second-tier bowl games that we have. Kansas, remember, they were even ranked in the top 25 at one point in the season. They had a great season by their standards, but then they kind of stumbled down the stretch as well. Jefferson from Arkansas, the quarterback, he led the way 130 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. The Kansas quarterback, in a losing effort, Daniels, throws for 544 yards and five touchdowns, and they lost the game. (laughs) Bananas, three-overtime game there yeah that's the lone win by the SEC so far this bowl season is Arkansas's three overtime win over a six win Kansas team in the Liberty Bowl yesterday <laughs> not exactly uh not exactly a promising start for the mighty SEC today a couple of interesting bowl games on tap Syracuse who began the season six and0 and then really kind of just couldn't get in couldn't get out of their own way down the stretch. They're taking on Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl They're at Yankee Stadium. Oklahoma, Florida State should be a good one as well. Oklahoma trying to play for pride. They're only a six-win team. They'd love nothing more than in Brett Venable's first season at the helm to get to seven wins and have a winning season. But they're taking on an inspired Florida State team. Finally, the light bulb goes off for Coach Norville in year number three Florida State trying to get to 10 wins. They're all going to be battling it out in the Cheez-It Bowl. And then Texas-Washington in the Alamo Bowl. That should be a good one as well between the Longhorns and the Huskies. we got to take a timeout here in RP3 and Company, but don't be sad. We'll be back. And when we come back, we're going to talk New Orleans Saints football. Saints gearing up to take on the Eagles this coming weekend we'll preview it and you'll hear from some of the saints that'll be coming up next right here on the game louisiana you know what just not southwest louisiana sports station let's be bold louisiana sports station no i'm uh, producers not not liking that okay i'll just say southwest louisiana sports station (laughs) and you're home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston Astros.
4: Yeah, I think so, and I think this one thing you said, Cleveland wasn't fun. I think I, I, Cleveland was pretty fun, you know. When I think everybody now can say when someone asks what the coldest game they've ever played in, I think everybody's got got that one taken care of now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think we're having having fun.
1: I mean, you couldn't tell by how he answered the question. <laughs> but, but. You know, because Andy doesn't give a lot of enthusiasm. But, you know, the Saints are trying to have some fun. And why not? The season's lost. The team's been trash. Fans are upset. Fans are now turning to the Pelicans for enjoyment. You got a couple games left. You might as well have fun with it, right? That, of course, was Saints starting quarterback, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, talking about, hey, they're trying to have some fun. I would hope so. I mean, I would hope so. You don't got much else to play for. I know technically technically they still have a chance, right? To make the postseason. They have to win their final two games at Philly this weekend and then the next weekend at home against Carolina. And they need Tampa to lose its final two games. Well, oh, that's a lot of that's a lot of what if scenarios. It just it just is. I'm sorry. It just is. So it's not going to happen. I'd be stunned if it does. So right now you're just trying to play for pride and you're, you're, you're trying to show that this season isn't a total disaster, right? And something that this team has struggled with all season long is being able to close out games. Remember, it started off from jump against the Falcons. Now they were able to rally and win that game, but man, you you Your takeaway from that game was, uh-oh. uh-oh. Started off week one. You're like, oh, no. They had to rally to beat a rebuilding Atlanta team? Uh, not great. And they've struggled to close out games. Cincinnati, Arizona. The list goes on and on. Tampa. Those are all games they should have closed out and won, and they didn't. And Dalton talked about is the ability to be able to close out games. Is that something that teams need to learn the hard way throughout the course of a season?
4: Yeah, I think definitely, I think it's, it's part of it. Um, You know, there's uh, one of those things. If you just kind of look at the teams with winning records and teams that are, uh, you know, consider some of the best teams in this league, they find ways to win at the end and, for us this year, we haven't been able to do it enough, and you can go back and look at four or five games and say, man, if a couple of these plays would have gone different, or if we would have done this, then you know our record would look a lot different than it does right now. But, I mean, that's everybody. That's true, and you can't change the pass, right?
1: But they struggled with closing out games. They just did. But – Along the way, if you want to be a glass half full type of guy, you know, they have had some pleasant surprises this year. Juwan Johnson's development into someone who looks like they were going to be that he's going to be a actual starting tight end in this league. That's been a nice surprise. Alante Taylor developing has been a nice surprise. And Rashid Shaheed, undrafted rookie, started off implementing him in the offense, but not enough, right? He'd go in there and he'd make a 35-yard catch or a 42-yard run. And he was all about the big plays. And you're like, why don't they give him the ball enough? And then they the light bulb finally went off and they're like, oh, yeah. Let's try to get this kid the ball more because every time he touches it, it's a first down or a touchdown. And Shaheed has kind of developed, and maybe he's your guy moving forward. Maybe he replaces Deontay Hardy, which I don't think they're going to bring back, the former Pro Bowl return man and number four wide receiver. I think maybe that's now Shahid's job. And he talked about getting more and more comfortable as the season has progressed at playing both wide receiver and as a return specialist for the Saints.
7: Right. Um, I feel like I've gotten more comfortable with both, absolutely. Um, you know, with the return game, Um it's definitely a big difference in speed and, you know, the timing has to be on point and, you know, Riz has put in a lot of trust in me uh, to go out there and, you know, do my job. Um, and that's what I try to do on the offense too. Um, any chance I get, you know, to make a play for the team. And-
1: so, even though this may be a lost season, you may have found a diamond in the rough, so to speak, a guy that could be part of this young core for the Saints moving forward. Now, What's the mindset for this team? We talked about them wanting to have fun. Two games left at Philly and then back at home against the Kitty Cats of Charlotte, Carolina Panthers. So what does this team want to accomplish over the last two games? And this is what Shaheed had to say.
7: Uh just to win, um go out and win and compete with my teammates, um to do everything I can to, to to you know make plays and uh yeah, give it all we got.
1: It's a good thought. You like the young guys. And I've said this before, the best players on this team this season have been the youngsters. Shahid, Jawan Johnson, Chris Olave, Alante Taylor, Kay Nellis, Pete Werner. Those are all guys that have been in the league three years or less. Those are your best players on the Saints, by the way. It's not Cam Jordan. It's not Demario Davis. It's not Tyron Matthew. It's not Andy Dalton. It's not even Alvin Kamara. The best and most consistent players this season have been those younger guys. I'd even throw in Cesar Ruiz, who they fixed into a competent starting right guard in the league. Doug Marone and Jahari Evans did their work. But what's the the mindset? Trying to win these last couple games, and that's something James Hurst, starting offensive lineman for the Saints, echoed as well.
7: You worry about what you can control, and that's winning. We know that we have to win. For us, it's a playoff game, um, so that's pretty straightforward. We know that if we don't win, we're, you know, we're out. So uh, you got to approach it. Our back's against the wall, and uh, you know, we can't be concerned with all the, with all the other stuff, but, but we can control how we play in this game and, and the outcome of this game.
1: And the next game up that they're going to try to control is a team that's always given them fits. Philadelphia Eagles, whether it's a regular season or the postseason, it's always been a thorn in their side. They have to play in Philly. The NFL loves making the Saints go and play in Philadelphia. All the time. Jalen Hurts, we don't know yet if he's going to play in this game. That's still up in the air. The MVP candidate and the dual threat quarterback that has torched the Saints the last few times they've played. And... It's going to be an immense challenge to try to win their third straight game and remain in playoff contention against a team that is going to be playing a little bit angry because they lost to their division rival, the Dallas Cowboys, last week. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. And they still got plenty to play for with two weeks left. It's not a done deal for Philly. So they still got something to play for, and they'd love to be able to accomplish all their goals with a win this coming weekend against the Saints. Now, we talk so much about the offensive playmakers that the Eagles have with Hurts and Devontae Smith and Brown and the others. But this Eagles defense also presents some challenges, and in particular their defensive line, and Hurst talked about that
7: really really good front across the board i'd say if you look across the entire league uh, they're probably the deepest unit um, with, with just so much talent at every single position so it definitely poses kind of a unique challenge if you will and uh, it's a big matchup for us up front we know that you know a lot of the game is going to come down to how we play as an offensive line gets a really good front so uh, we got to understand the schemes you know the coach are going to do a great job putting us in good positions to have success And uh, yeah, we know that the the pressure's on us and and we got to come out and we got to play well in order, you know, particularly for the offense to go out and be able to score some points.
1: It's going to be an immense challenge. It doesn't matter if it's going to be Jalen or if it's going to be Gardner Minshew out there playing quarterback. This is going to be a tough challenge. Eagles are going to be motivated to play. Saints are going to have their hands full with the defensive line for sure. And once again, the offensive line is banged up yet again. But they'll have an opportunity. They'll have an opportunity to keep themselves in it. And maybe they go into Philly and maybe they catch the Eagles sleeping. Take advantage, maybe get a couple turnovers. That's been an issue for them. But, man, it just feels like the Eagles are just going to run all over them. It just does. I'm sorry. It just does. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Ralph, to the show. Ralph, good morning to you, brother. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and hope you and your family have a Happy New Year, bud. What's on your mind?
8: Same to you and yours, Ray. I just wanted to throw out a, a question, and I don't know why this popped into my mind, but um, uh, just a, just a thought, and, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Okay, so Kayshawn Butte announced about a month ago that he was coming back before, uh, you know to, to play, Um, he had the opportunity then to declare for the draft, whatever, okay? Um, Jaden Daniels announces a week ago that he's coming back. (laughs) I felt, this is just my opinion, that Butte with Daniels as quarterback seemed to be loafing a lot out there. He didn't think he was going to get the ball. A lot of times it would come, and he wasn't even expecting it because he thought he was going to break down and run. Um, and, And I'm thinking, you know, he's watching Nussmeier just, Fling it all over the place in that second half and saying, Hey, I can come back and play in this offense one more year and increase my draft stock. Yep. But now, you know, and I, it's just something to think about, you know, I don't think the timing, you know, is, <laughs> I, well, I, think, I find it curious, you know, and, and, um, you know, I just wanted to get your, uh, your opinion on that as well. But um, I will say this, look, I, I hope the best for the young man, uh, I know he's got a, a, a family to support now and, um, I hope he does well at the combine and, and in the interviews, but uh, some of that game tape from last year wasn't, you know, wasn't the best and, and he'll have to kind of overcome that. But um, wish him the best of luck and, and go Tigers. And, you know, let's uh, at least uh, end the season on a high note with uh, that Citrus Bowl then. So have a good one, Ray. Enjoy the new year. and We'll talk to you later.
1: Appreciate you, brother. Uh, look, I'll touch on that. We've got a couple minutes here. I've said it before, Daniels and Boutte were never on the same page. And look, I mean, this is not a knock on Jaden. Jaden is what he is. Jaden does not have a high ceiling as a quarterback. He can do some things. He can make some plays with his legs. But if you Kayshawn Boutte, are you excited about eight-yard slant passes to Malik Neighbors all game long? Because that's what Jayden is. Jayden can take a few shots down the field, but he's not a big-arm quarterback. It's just not. That's not his game. Downfield passing, not his game. He doesn't sit in the pocket long enough to go through his progressions to let his burners, like someone who has four-three speed in Kayshawn, to get down the field to throw a 60-yard pass. That's not his game. Now, Nussbus, woo. And I, I, there's something to that. I've had other discussions as well. Darren brings it up on Twitter as well. Wonder if Jane Daniels' decision to return had something to do with it. I think that's a legitimate question. It's not that Jaden Daniels does not provide leadership. It's not that Jaden Daniels did not do a good job for LSU this season. He was the starting quarterback for a team that won the West Division and played for a conference championship. And they'll have the opportunity to win 10 games with a win on Monday in the cheese at Citrus Bowl. But Jaden's limited. And Jaden's game does not necessarily mesh with what Kayshawn Butte brings to the table. You need a big-arm quarterback. When he and Max Johnson got together his freshman season, Max would just throw it up. Kayshawn, do your thing. And Kayshawn did his thing. And put up huge numbers. Monster numbers. And Nussmeyer has that type of skill set. He has the big arm. Walker Howard, we know. They're developing him, but he has the potential to have the big arm, the downfield passing attack. So, Jane Daniels' decision to come back may have very well had Kayshawn decide not to come back because he's like, well, is this going to be more of the same where the passing game is going to be, let's be honest, a little pedestrian? Might as well go to the draft now and take advantage of it because if I stick around, it's just going to be more of the same. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well, and we'll share them throughout today's show. Got some good ones, and we'll do that later on here on RP3 and Company. We got to take a timeout. We'll close out hour number two. Talk a little McNeese. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
9: Yeah, so we gave the guys... From I guess after the game against Houston was that Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening uh, till Monday off. Uh, came back Monday, had a team meeting and then practiced twice yesterday. We're gonna practice again twice today, and then start to dial it back tomorrow and Friday. We'll practice once uh, the next couple days, but um, just getting back into the swing of things. It's a new year um, from a basketball standpoint, new season, playing conference games, and um, you know I had some good times in the non-con, learned some things, played as hard a schedule as just about anybody. I think Nichols is the only one that played harder schedule in conference play. Um, But like some of the growth that we've seen, we've got to continue to grow and um, our group continue to come together and learn each other, uh, which we should be able to over the next. I mean, a lot of guys are going to play a lot of minutes. um, So should be able to get some real continuity going into this stretch. Uh, Lamar, have some confidence playing them earlier in the year. Uh, We're fortunate to get a win here in the MTE. And so it's a game that um, we'll go into with some confidence. Um, They'll probably play his own uh, defensively, so we're going to be prepared for that.
1: John Aiken, McNeese men's basketball coach, talking to the media about the Cowboys opening up conference play in the Southland Conference this Saturday. They're going to be traveling, making the short trip to rival Lamar over in Beaumont to open up SLC play. The Cowboys are 3-10 and on the season. They have struggled. Now, they've played a tough schedule. That includes facing the likes of Baylor and Tennessee and Iowa State and Houston, all those ranked opponents, by the way. But they've also lost to Western Carolina and Lindenwood and teams that you'd have to look up to figure out where they're at. One of their wins, though, is against Lamar. At the McNeese MTE tournament that they held there at the Legacy Center, in late November, right before Thanksgiving, they beat Lamar 66-57. to So they should have some confidence heading into that. And this gives them a bit of a leg up because they've already beaten Lamar once, they know what they're about, and now they can start conference play with a win, which is going to be critical for this team to start building up some momentum and building up confidence because they're going to need that. Because the following game, the next week, is going to be against Northwestern State when they're honoring Joe Dumars, the Detroit Pistons two-time world champion, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, and the man who was one of the executives that led the Pistons to another title. They're naming the court after him. He's the greatest player in program history. It's going to be a big deal. It would be helpful if that team was heading into that game with a win and had some positivity and some confidence. We'll see if the Cowboys can do so this weekend over in Beaumont. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, going to kick it off with Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. We're going to talk with the Pels winning four straight. The Saints trying to win three in a row. That's all coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Whoa.
0: Everything, going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: New Orleans Pelicans. Man, get the fourth straight win. Zion Williamson growing up right in front of our eyes. The kind of always smiling, laid-back kid that came into the league. He sure has developed into a man, and we're seeing that this season as he's taking over this team in the best way possible. Scoring the final 13 points of last night's win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Fourth straight win, and now the Pelicans sit atop the Western Conference standings yet again. The best team in the West as we head to the end of the calendar year here. Now, does that mean that this team is going to win the West? Does this mean that this team is even going to be a top three seed? That they're going to make a deep playoff run? No. It's still early, but year after year, the Pelicans always bury themselves because they dig themselves such a huge hole that they struggle to get out of. The fact that this team is in contention right now is a great sign that maybe they're starting to truly turn a corner to talk more about the new Orleans Pelicans as well as help us preview saints Eagles as a man who covers both franchises for christencitysports.com. Les East joins us now. Les, good morning to you, brother. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and happy new year to you and your family.
10: Well, thanks Raymond. Uh, happy new year to you and yours as well. Uh, it's been a good holiday season so far. Hopefully it continues.
1: What's different with Zion? Because just watching from afar, I've noticed he's no longer a kid. He looks like a grown man out there. He's taking over games. He's putting the team on his back. He seems like he's growing up right in front of our eyes. What's been the big difference for Zion this season as compared to the last few?
10: Well, I think you you hit the nail on the head with the growing up. You know, he's still very young. I don't know, when is he, 21, 22? Uh, he, uh, you know, he didn't play at all last year. He's been in and out. Of, he was in and out of the lineup with injuries before that. Um, you know, the season two years ago was disrupted because of COVID. And uh, now things are normal. And he's been able to stay healthy for the most part. And he's been able to stay in the lineup and he's surrounded by a good team and he has a good coach. and It's all come together <clears throat> at one time, uh, right when he's uh, emerging as a young player who's uh, figuring things out. And uh, right now he's uh, as good a player as there is in the NBA.
1: He takes over the game last night, scores the final 13 points, puts the team totally on his back. You know, we haven't seen that a lot from him. We're starting to see more of it from him, and that's part of his maturity. But why is he so difficult to stop late in games lately?
10: Well, it's his—it's uh, a rare skill set and uh, his determination. I mean, he's—he's he's like a freight train uh, coming down the lane. He can put the ball on the floor. He can dribble. He can change direction. And uh, when he makes up his mind to get to the basket, there's nobody in the NBA who can stop him. There's not a single human being, and two and three guys can stop him. And then he's a willing passer, and he'll give it up to uh, Trey Murphy the third for a three, or somebody else for an open jumper. If you overcommit to him, and I thought the Timberwolves played great last night. They. Um, For most of the game, they were collapsing the lane and keeping him from getting to the basket freely. He got there sometimes, but he had a difficult time uh, because there was so much traffic trying to get to the basket. But then in the fourth quarter, when the game was on the line, he just decided that he was going to get to the basket, and nobody was stopping him, and and they couldn't. He even hit a three-pointer, which might have been the biggest basket of the game because they were down five. And that uh, kind of turned things around. And then he just kept getting getting to the basket. And uh, there wasn't anything Minnesota could do about it.
1: Zion is taking his game to another level, but so is Trey Murphy the third their second-year player. Not only is he developing into a consistent three-point shooter, but also he's been able to play some pretty good defense. How key has that been for the Pelicans' success this year, the development of Trey?
10: Yeah, I think that's been one of the big factors. He has, uh, I think, every aspect of his game has gotten better. He came into the league as uh, known as a three-point shooter, and that was probably his biggest strength as a rookie. But he's doing everything well, and uh, he's putting the ball on the floor. He's he's not settling for threes. He's able to get to the basket effectively and finish, as well as play defense. And he's he's a long uh, guard, and so he's able to uh, guard uh, big players, and he's uh, he can do a little bit of everything, and he's the perfect complement for Williamson because teams have to collapse on Zion to uh, uh, try and contain him in the paint, and uh, if they just let Murphy spot up for threes, he's going to make them pay.
0: The guy, though,
1: that brings it all together is – the veteran player they traded for last year at the deadline, and that was C.J. McCollum. He's so unselfish, Les. He knows how to get Zion the ball in space, right? He understands how to do that. He, he's developed a great rapport in chemistry with, with Trey as well, which I think has helped his development. How fundamentally important is C.J. McCollum to this team?
10: Well, he's really important because he, he's – far and away the most experienced player on the team. He and and Jonas Valanciunas are are the the most mature guys on the team. And, uh, you know, he's been mostly uh, a two-guard during his career in Portland and kind of, you know, Damian Lillard Lillard has kind of run the show and he's kind of been the the second guy. But now that he's come here, he's become more of a lead guard. He continues to play the – the two guard at times, but he's he's the leader, and he has a, a real knack for knowing uh, when to get other people involved and when to take over himself, which is you know something that he didn't uh, have to do all the time in Portland, but obviously he did it sometimes, and I think he's uh, because of his experience and maturity, it, it was an easy transition for him. Becoming more of a, uh, a lead guard than he was in Portland, and uh, the way he goes back and forth between the one and the two, depending on who's in the backcourt with him, uh, is seamless. And he's just he's vital to their success.
1: We're talking with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Are you surprised how well this team is playing without its best defensive player in Herb Jones missing significant time and a great scorer and all-star in B.I. missing majority of the season.
10: Yeah, it's really impressive. You know, the the game Monday night against Indiana was something to behold because they were missing five rotation players, including um, two starters or three starters, I guess. And, uh, you know, the top two scorers were out with Williamson and Ingram and Herb was out, and uh, and they were missing two of their top backups, and yet they went out and they held a pretty good team to 93 points. I mean, that's a group that really hasn't had much time together in addition to missing five key players. that There wasn't a lot of continuity there, and the way that they communicated and rotated and played on defense to win by 20 points uh, was pretty amazing. And it's gotten to the point where, like last night, they got Murphy and uh, Daniels and Williamson back. And so it, it's almost like you look at the, the roster and you say, oh, they're only missing Ingram and Jones. You know, that's that's two starters. That's your number two scorer and your top defensive player. And it's kind of like, well, that, that's not a big deal. They can overcome those two guys. And uh, it's easy to forget just how much they're missing because they're playing so well with whoever happens to be available on a good night. And that's a tribute to not only the players, but Willie Green and his staff.
1: They'll wrap up the calendar year with two marquee matchups. The first one will be tomorrow night at home there in the Smoothie King Center as they take on the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a contender out of the Eastern Conference. And then Saturday, quick turnaround, have to tr- uh, travel up to Memphis to take on John Morant and the Grizzlies who are obviously one of the contending teams in the West. They have two opportunities here to beat two really good teams. What's your confidence level that they can do that?
10: Well, and then they also go to Philadelphia on Monday. So it's three games in four days against elite teams. So this will tell us a lot. I, You know, I think the Memphis game is going to be especially interesting because they were just humiliated the last time they played them. They, they beat the – the Grizzlies here earlier in the season, but when they went to Memphis a few weeks ago, uh, they they just got beat really badly. So I think they'll be especially focused for that game. The game tomorrow night here is already sold out. I think that'll be a playoff atmosphere. You know, I, I think they both of those games and, and the one in Philly on Monday as well will be very competitive, and they'll probably go down in the end. But those are two teams that have been successful that have made deep playoff runs. And uh, so I think that those will be uh, good gauges of where they're at. I think they, they can win uh, – I think they'll have a chance to win each of them. How many they actually win, we'll see. But uh, I would expect them to have a good chance to split the two uh, over the weekend. And then uh, it will be a good game Monday night in Philadelphia as well.
1: Let's let's transition over to the Saints. They win back-to-back games for the first time this season but things are going to get a little bit more difficult when they have to travel to a team that's always been a thorn in their side, the Philadelphia Eagles, this coming weekend. The Eagles are coming off a tough loss to Dallas, which means they're going to be kind of angry, and they still have plenty to play for as well, regardless of what happens with Jalen Hurts starting or not starting at quarterback. How big of a challenge is this weekend's game against the Eagles?
10: Well, it's going to be tough for them to win that game, and I think the the thing that hurt them the most was that the Eagles let that game in Dallas get away last Sunday. If they'd won, they would have already clinched the top seed and they could really uh, take it easy with, with players who are marginal health-wise for playing, and then they, they wouldn't be as focused as they will be on Sunday because they wanna wrap up that number one seed and get it over with before next week. So I you know, I think whoever's available for the Eagles, and they have some several key players on the injury list, whoever's available, they're gonna be really focused and, and doing everything they can to to get that number one seed wrapped up. So that that didn't help the Saints and uh, you know, it, I don't think Hertz is going to play. We'll find out more Later in the week, but he didn't practice yesterday, and uh, I think they're probably going to have to take it easy with him. And Gardner Minshew played well last week, but they lost their their uh, Pro Bowl right tackle. Doesn't look like CJ GJ is going to be back this week. They lost another DB who's not going to be available. Uh, Miles Sanders didn't practice yesterday, though he might be able to play. So, you know, the the Eagles are beat up. So. You know, I think it'll be a competitive game, but I just think the Eagles are too good right now. I don't see the Saints winning this game.
1: Lots of rumors going around about Sean Payton. Your man who has covered this team for decades. Is there any possibility whatsoever that Sean Payton comes back to coaching and he comes back to coach the New Orleans Saints next season?
10: Well, I think it's possible. I I think it's unlikely, Um, but if you look at the way things are shaping up around the league, I I think this is as likely a place for him to be coaching next year as there is in the NFL. If he were to coach, I I think he's he's talking about putting together a staff. I think he's itching to get back in it as soon as possible. But he's not going to take the wrong job. But you know the chargers were considered probably the best opportunity i don't think that job's going to open up them already clinching a playoff berth we'll see about miami that you know they've been playing well most of the year they've kind of hit a bump in the road here if that opened up that would be a possibility but i don't think that's going to open up uh, chicago i don't he's from there i don't know if that's where he would want to go though you know Dallas is a wild card. They've had a good season, but if they go one and done in the playoffs, Jerry Jones might make a move there. So I would keep an eye on Dallas as as the other possibility. But uh, I, I don't rule out him coming back and coming back as soon as this year. But I, I think it's more likely that he sits out another year and then Dennis Allen gets a second fe- season. I think that's the most likely scenario.
1: Less Appreciate your time as always. Brother, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the new year. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you next week, bud.
10: Thanks, Raymond.
1: Hey, New Year's Eve is going to be this weekend, right? The New Year's Day. But you know what's going to be coming up right after that? Mardi Gras. It's going to be here sooner than later. And let me tell you, you can get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Our friends over at Trail, they're going to be presenting the Lundy Graw Barathon on Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. You can wear a costume, enjoy free drinks throughout the course, served at the Adult Hydration Station. A party bus, of course, is going to be there, following closely behind the runners, so you can jump aboard at any time and have a great time. All, you know what? You can run it all or some or none. You can just be there for the party if you want to. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest. So bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lunday Graw Barathon coming up in February. Free drinks, food, and prizes galore. Register now at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we'll update the poll question of the day. Get to some of your comments as well. That's all coming up next, right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist.
1: The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat.
0: Okay, well, we all have our bad days.
1: I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch.
0: Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports Sports Station. station.
1: You know, we were asked earlier on the show, what do we think could happen with the Saints at the quarterback position, right? What could they possibly do this coming offseason? Will it be Andy Dalton? Will it be Jameis Winston? Will they draft a guy? You know, and a guy that I've always thought would, would be a good fit would be Derek Carr. And I think maybe Josh McDaniels has broken Derek Carr a little bit. But I also want to point this out. We get so focused on... When it comes to the NFL, well, quarterback, quarterback, right? But it's a team effort. The Raiders have not been very good consistently for, what, the better part of 20 years? And it's always easy stat to pull out win-loss record. Well, you know, this quarterback's, you know, win-loss record is this. Okay. That's a stat. It's not exactly the go-to stat for years, truly. But I want to point out something about Derek Carr. Is he a great quarterback? No. Is he probably a mid-level quarterback? Yeah, he can probably win you a lot of games. But I want to point this out because the NFL is all about team effort. Raiders defensive ranks since Derek Carr's first season in 2014. This is what they've ranked overall on the defensive side of the football in Oakland slash Los Angeles slash Las Vegas since Derek Carr became the starting quarterback in 2014. They rank 32nd in points per game, 30th in yards per play, 32nd in sacks, 32nd in interceptions, 31st in rushing touchdowns allowed, 30th in passing touchdowns allowed, and 31st in fourth down conversions. They have been one of the year-in, year-out worst defenses in the NFL For nearly a decade. It's easy to blame the quarterback. For all the problems with the Raiders. It's also easy to praise the quarterback when they win. It's a team game. It always has been. It always will be. If you think the Raiders issues this year. And look. Derek has to account for that. He's thrown what 14 interceptions. That's a ton. Someone needs to rehab him. Someone needs to fix him. He can still be a good quarterback in this league. But you got to have all the components to win in the NFL. And right there, the Raiders defense has averaged either being the 32nd, the 31st, or the 30th worst team in the league. You know how many teams is in the NFL? How many teams are, are in the NFL, rather? 32! They've been at the bottom in every category that matters. You always think you go get you a golden ticket and get you that quarterback and it's going to change the fortunes of your franchise. It's not how it works. Quarterbacks help. Quarterbacks help, but you need all the other components. Look what Detroit's doing with golf. Everyone thought he was washed up in a bum. He's played pretty well for them. And they're in playoff contention. Look at Washington. They're throwing out Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke for crying out loud. And they're in contention for the playoffs. It takes more than just quarterback play to win in the NFL. Poll question of the day. We asked you, what do you make of Kayshawn Butte declaring for the NFL draft? The former Westgate high star changed his mind. Announcing Last night on social media that he was declaring for the NFL draft. Back on December 5th, he said he was coming back for a senior season. Earlier in the day yesterday, LSU said he wasn't going to be playing in the bowl game, but he was still registered for school in the spring. What happened behind the scenes, we won't know until someone tells us. Let's be honest. But what do you make of Bouté declaring for the draft? Right now, 49% of you say It's a business decision and that he let his teammates down and that the timing sucks. It's all of the above. That's the majority of the votes right now. 33% of you say it's straight up a business decision. 12% say the timing stinks. And 6% say that he let his teammates down. Ralph on Twitter says, NFL pays more than Gordon McKernan does. I do wonder if he couldn't have improved his draft stock with one more year. He'll need to have a great combine and do well in interviews. Game tape from last season will not impress, but good luck. JPK, the OD, says, 100% business decision on his part. The timing does suck. Bowls don't matter unless you are in the playoffs. No wonder the NCAA is expanding them as fast as they can. Welcome to the new world of college football. How long until it looks like NCAA basketball if one and done is in our future? It's already kind of been that way. And we're going to get – I hate to tell everyone this. This notion that guys are not going to opt out of playoff games – Because, well, they have a chance to win a national championship. You haven't been paying attention. They're going to do that. That's going to happen. It's going to get to the point where even with the college football playoff expansion coming in 2024, it won't matter. You're going to have some guys that are going to make straight-up business decisions. And my only retort there with JPK, the OD, is that Bulls do matter because they matter to the players that play in them. They do. It may not matter to some of us that watch them. But it still does matter to the guys that play in it. B-Rad says, BS cop-outs. His people got in his head or saying he was saying was just a smokescreen. He's been nothing but drama this year. Really hope he gets everything he wants, but kind of glad that he's gone. Go Tigers. Salty Steve says, these young men usually have to provide for their entire families. This decision's totally his. And by seeing what LSU wide receivers are doing in the NFL – who could question his motives? Best of luck. Go Tigers. John Paul, Cajun Daddy, says he can make more money in the NFL than he can at LSU. <laughs> it's fair. that Forever says he has every right to pursue his NFL dream. It's the timing that pisses me off. He waited until after signing day and after the transfer portal dried up. I'd love to be a fly on the wall of the LSU locker room so I could know what his teammates actually thought about him. Yeah, the timing is, to use a Kevin Foote term, pa right? You much rather would have had him make that decision earlier. That way they could have maybe addressed it in the transfer portal or go get them another wide receiver or something like that. And, and, and it's kind of a, a shot to the teammates a little bit. Once again, look, Kayshawn has a child now. He became a father in September. It makes sense. He's got to make a business decision for himself and his family. He has additional responsibilities. That can be true. Making a business decision can be true. It can also be true that the timing sucks and he kind of is letting his team down, right, and his teammates. Maybe not the coach, support staff, the fans, but his brothers that he played with this season. I know I'm old-fashioned, but that's how it feels to me. We got to take a timeout. We'll talk more about LSU football and basketball with the voice of the LSU Tigers. Chris Blair joins us live next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, it's a good time to be a Tiger fan these days. Football teams gearing up to try to win its 10th game of the year in the Cheese at Citrus Bowl on Monday. The men's basketball team just took down a top 10 ranked Arkansas team inside an electric P-Mac. The women's basketball team is ranked in the top 10. And oh, by the way, the baseball team, which will begin play in huh, a little about a month and a half, they're already preseason number one. To break it all down for us is the voice of the Tigers. Our good friend Chris Blair joins us now. Chris, good morning. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family, bud.
6: Same to you, indeed. Uh, had a had a great, quiet, enjoyable Christmas, and here we are. We're going to crank up, as you mentioned, try to finish out the football season, get 10 wins, and SEC play is underway. LSU with their biggest opening SEC game upset in program history last night. Pretty good win for Matt McMahon.
1: Let's start there because when I see this team play, And I know the roster maybe doesn't have the blue-chip talent as maybe some of the contemporaries in the conference at Auburn and Alabama and Kentucky and even Arkansas. But what I see this team play, I see guys completely bought in to what their coach wants and what their coach expects of them. And that's really what has stood out to me, Chris, so far about what Matt McMahon's been able to do in Baton Rouge.
6: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you want... That game last night, you want to go watch it again, break it down. You know, In the early part of that game, Coach McMahon talked about it in practice yesterday, talked to me about it before the game, that they couldn't rely on threes for LSU. They had to be able to to be physical. They had to be able to get some shots at the rim. They had to be aggressive. And in the first half, LSU got some great shots, point-blank shots that you expect to go in that didn't go in. And still, they had 14 points in the paint in the first half in a low-scoring affair against an Arkansas team that gets virtually all of their points uh, in the paint and at the rim, and yet they're able to force Arkansas to try 13 threes. They average 15 three attempts per game, one of the fewest um, teams that shoot threes in the country, certainly the fewest threes in SEC. And they get them to try 13 in the first half. They don't hit a one. And then before the game's over, they attempt 25 threes, the most they've attempted in a single game all year. LSU was able to impose their will. That's buy in. That's getting guys executing, especially on the defensive end. And, you know, they were going to have to play defense. They were going to have to battle on every single possession to have a chance to beat a very talented and athletic Arkansas team. And kudos to Matt McMahon and the guys who went out there and executed. Um, It was a master class. on how to beat Arkansas. And I guarantee you, every other team in the SEC is going to take value in the game tape from last night.
1: The other thing that stands out to me about the game last night, Chris, was they played such great defense, but Arkansas did start getting their shots to fall in the second half. They even took the lead, and yet LSU was able to respond and gut out a tough win. That shows me character that shows me that this team's got plenty of fight in it where they could easily say, okay, well, this game's getting away from us. They didn't. They responded and closed it out.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that was key. I mean, that's a good point that you make. We asked Matt about it after the game last night, is you had to believe after attempting 13 threes and hitting none of them in the first half, Coach Musselman in the locker room was going to say, hey, guys, this is not who we are. We are a team that drives, gets downhill, gets to the rim, gets to the free throw line, We have, you know, 59 dunks and 19 alley-oops coming into this game, and shooting threes just ain't our thing. So they come out in the second half, and they see some drive. You know, Walsh was a guy who attempted three or four threes in the first half. He comes out in the second half, puts it on the floor, and gets in at least paint touches, uh, hits a couple of jumpers, including a floater. So you suddenly see Arkansas getting back to what they do best, unless you stayed the course. As you said, they didn't panic. They kept the game plan, and before all was said and done, yeah, they hit four threes in the second half, but they shot 12 and went four for 25. And for LSU not to panic, to stay the course, stay the plan, make Arkansas work in the half-court set, which it's apparent they're not very good at. Um, When they can't get out and run, that Arkansas team offensively is borderline anemic.
1: Chris, let's switch over to football. Uh, We're not going to speculate why Kayshawn Boutte made the decision to declare for the draft yesterday. I I, I don't want to dive into that with you. What I do want to dive into is they're not going to have Kayshawn now for the bowl game on Monday. They already lost Jack Besh to the transfer portal as well. How do they absorb those losses with their offensive scheme come Monday when they take on the Purdue Borland Makers down there in Orlando?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but, you know, the way I look at it, uh, Raymond, you know, college football now is semi-pro, and that's just the way it is. And I know, you know, typically the difference between college football and pro football has has always been kind of that emotional tie to the players that you expect to be there for, you know, at a place like LSU, three years, uh, and for many cases, four years. Well, those days are long gone. Uh, you've got to be emotionally tied to the brand and to the school. It's got nothing to do with players because players are going to come and go just like they do uh, for the teams that play predominantly on Sunday. Um, So I wanted to say that out of the gate. I'm not sure what the issue is with Kayshawn, why he changed his mind, why have the hoopla a couple of weeks ago that he's coming back, and then uh, who knows. And and frankly, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, LSU is going to have to go play this game on January 2nd. And, you know, I think the the silver lining again is the fact that Purdue's roster still looks a lot different than they did a month ago um, when they played in the Big Ten uh, title game, uh, more so than LSU's. Uh, but there are some key spots that have to be filled. Um, and when you look at that wide receiver room, I still think you've got playmakers there. Um, you know, without a Keisham Booty, who's an exceptional talent, without Jack Best, who is certainly a, a physical-style receiver, um, you you still got guys that will have targets. Um, you're still going to have uh, Malik Neighbors. You're, you're still going to have guys who can make plays for you. Um, and, you know, I think, again, you'd love to have uh, everybody at your disposal, uh, but that's just where we are. Um, and I don't think you can expect it. Moving forward, um, you know, when you're headed into, I mean, look at Ohio State. They're headed into the college football playoff. They've got guys that have decided to move on. Um, that's just the world we live in. And again, we can get upset. We can throw our hands in the air, but uh, that's just the everyday that is college football and the reality we live in.
1: Do you expect the big fella at tight end to have a big game, especially the, the kind of chemistry he already has with Jane Daniels?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, and there's another big target, you know, that uh, you know certainly has shown the ability to to step up in big moments. To say the very least, I think Mason Taylor certainly will be will be part of the offensive flow. Um, so I think he could have a a big game from from Jaden Daniels. Um, and again, as I mentioned, I think there are plenty of weapons that LSU still has. Um, and again, when I think you line it up on paper the roster that Coach Brian Kelly will have is not one he would love to have. There's certainly guys he would like to have on there that he won't. Um, but I feel like you're in better shape than Purdue. I mean, again, you've, you've got your head coach, you've got your offensive coordinator, uh, and you've got QB1, which is something that uh, uh, Purdue is lacking.
1: Yeah, Purdue lost you know, with their coach, quarterback, and their two wide receivers for it. So. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit of an issue there for the Boilermakers, so much so they have to ask Drew Brees to kind of help out as a volunteer coach to get them prepared for their bowl game. <laughs> uh, defensively, uh, Chris, Tigers did uh, lose a considerable amount of guys there in the front seven in particular as they're gearing up for the draft. Not really surprised there, uh, especially with those guys having an opportunity to play on Sunday. Uh, who could maybe LSU fans, in your opinion, expect to see maybe be a big playmaker in Monday's game in that front seven that maybe hasn't had a chance to do so this year, but now we'll have the opportunity.
6: You know, I suspect Raymond, that you're going to see um, some of the usual suspects. And what I mean by that is there's going to be players who are accustomed to getting plenty of snaps this season, maybe playing in different positions just because of the need uh, for some of those holes to fill. And, you know, for example, um, you know, you look at B.J. Ojolari, who is a edge rusher. Well, who is the one individual that at times you had to take B.J. off the field for, or decided, rather, to take B.J. off the field for? That was Harold Perkins, Jr. So I think he's going to be your edge rusher. Not to say he's going to be completely at the line of scrimmage the entire game, because I think his skill set allows them to be very versatile and kind of hide where they want to put him, whether he's going to drop back in coverage or rush the quarterback. But I would expect Harold to be your edge rusher in place of B.J. Ojulari. I think Xavion Jones is a guy who had some really good plays for LSU um, at, at Ali Gay's spot. Um, so I think Savion's probably the natural to step in um, in that position um, up front defensively for LSU. Um, you know, you got. I think you'll probably move Fitzgerald West, who started on the defensive line, then went to the offensive line because of numbers and depletion. Uh, I think he'll move back. I think you'll see him kind of help uh, Makai Wingo and, and and those guys. Um, you know, with Jaqueline Roy moving on, I think Jacobian uh, Guillory is, is going to be the one to look for. So, um, you know, I think defensively up front, at least there's a little bit of depth there. So I think you can plug those holes in. Um, the back end of the defense is going to be interesting um, because Makai Garner deciding to move on and get ready for the draft. So Jay Ward's going to move from kind of a safety position to a corner. Uh, Jared Bernard-Converse will be your other corner. Um, you know, your safeties will be a little thin. You won't have a lot of, you know, bodies there, but certainly capable players uh, with Suchet and, and the like. So, I mean, again, it's they're, they're going to be plugging holes, but uh, I think there's one thing we learned that, you know, LSU maybe was more talented than the rest of the country thought they would be uh, with the job that Coach Kelly and company did in the offseason to kind of fill those spots with uh, just over 30-some scholarships. Um, and it's amazing to say, Raymond, again, trying to find the positive, this roster looks a lot better, a lot talented, more talented than we saw in the Texas Bowl uh, this previous January. So you can take some comfort there.
1: Wrapping it up with Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers here in RP3 and company. Great season. A bit of a surprise season for a lot of folks, win the West, play for the conference championship game. But they did post back-to-back losses to end the season. They sit at nine overall wins. How important is it to get a win on Monday and get to that 10-win threshold, Chris?
6: You know, Raymond, that's one of the things that we've all talked about You know, on campus is what's the difference, again, with everything that LSU has been able to accomplish this year, as you pointed out, not many people thought they could. So there's this sense that, wow, they're way ahead of schedule based on where we thought it would be. But the difference in having nine wins and finishing out the year um, with three straight losses um, just is different than getting that tenth win, snapping the two-game losing skid, and headed into 2023 with the recruiting class uh, that has already signed in the early signing period. The difference to me, I think, is monumental. I think Coach Kelly would agree with that. And talking to him last week on his radio show, I mean, he, he kept emphasizing, you know, all the things they had accomplished, plus, plus the opportunity to pick up that 10th win. Um, because I think that gives you tons of momentum. It gives this recruiting class that will be coming in a lot of confidence that they made the right decision for the players who have decided to come back or are going to come back for next year. They've got a little more spring in their step. And plus, you're going to get a ton of coverage. Um, You're suddenly going to be a team that most people felt like would win five or six this year to a team that arguably will be in contention once again for the SEC West and an SEC title and possibly the college football playoff in 2023. Now, whether that comes to fruition or not, we'll have to wait and see. But that certainly will be the talk. And when you get that kind of hype in a year's time compared to where we were, I think that 10th win becomes huge for a number of reasons beyond just picking up the 10th win of the year. Chris,
1: appreciate your time as always, brother. Have fun on the call for the bowl game there on Monday in Orlando. Happy New Year to you and your family, bud.
6: Same to you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll have Purdue LSU on the network on Monday, and then I'll head to the Bluegrass. We'll have Kentucky and LSU and Hoops Tuesday night from uh, Lexington. It's going to be a fun new year to get started. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys.
1: we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll update the poll question of the day, finalize the results, and get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes. That's all going to be next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, NBA fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NBA this holiday season. Man, I love those same-game parlays, those player prop options. Man, I forgot to put money down last night for the Pelicans game. I probably should have taken Zion going on the over for the points in the game because my man had a career-high 43. It's the games inside the games that makes things that fun. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME, that's 1037GAME, and get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in today to receive this limited-time offer, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. We had a poll question of the day. Final results. What do you make of Kayshawn Butte declaring for the NFL draft? 46% of you say all of the, the above. 32% say it's a business decision. 15% say the timing stinks. And 7% of you say let his teammates down. I want to thank all who voted on the poll question of the day, all who left their comments, including Doug. Did Besh leave because Butte was supposedly coming back and is Besh regretting his decision? What a drama queen. Good riddance. Some will not be upset with Kayshawn leaving. Others will. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6-9. to 9 close out the week get you prepared for the holiday weekend but up next is Kevin Foot and footnotes right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.